From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Hedrick talks to us about how he was able to build a multi-decade career as a strength conditioning coach by staying true to himself, how to prevent burnout by really loving what you do, and what his mindset was for preparing a team after winning a national championship. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Alan Hedrick. He is currently and recently retired from the Colorado State University at Pueblo. But prior to that, he had stops at the NSCA, being the head strength conditioning coach and also an education coordinator. And he also was at Air Force, USOC, and Fresno State. He's published multiple books and articles. He's done videos. He was the NSCA coach of the year, traveled to the world in the name of strength conditioning, held multiple head strength coach positions. He has distinguished titles with the NSCA and including the rare emeritus status and even competes in the sport of weightlifting. Coach Hedrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You know, it's always uh, it's always rewarding and humbling to be asked to participate. So I'm honored that you asked me. Absolutely. You know, could you tell us a little bit about you know what you're doing? I know we talked a little bit before, and I'll say in air quotes, you're retired, but you still are. You know, finding a way to give back to community, and and it's hard to pull you out of the iron game. So, what is it looking like for you right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I. I I love doing what I get to do. So, um, you know, I have a pretty nice gym set up in my garage. And so um, for the last year since I retired, I've been training uh, clients out of my garage facility, a mixture of uh, I have some athletes and some fitness people, 
Um, some people are interested in not necessarily competing, but performing the, the weightlifting movement. So I kind of have a mixture of uh, clientele that's uh, that's uh, been a, a pleasure for me to work with. You know, like I said, I, I love doing it. You know, I did it for 30 some years. So why stop now? You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And it is is it one of those things where is it like the field of dreams? If you build it, they will come and you just built your home gym and people started showing up or, you know, or did your reputation precede, uh, precede you and you're able to get some clientele going? Yeah. You know, so, um, I'd actually worked, um, part time in a local um, CrossFit facility, um, doing their Olympic lifting there. So I had some people outside of the athletic world that were already familiar with me. So, um, when I first, decided to start training out of the garage, I kind of contacted them and said, hey, these things are available. And my first client or two, I offered at a real inexpensive price just because, um, you know, I knew once I get started, people saw what was going on, they'd be willing to to jump in. So just kind of started that way. Yeah, I, th- I think that's awesome. And you are really good at posting all your videos on social media. And I, I've always appreciated that even when I first got started, cause I knew I could log on to Facebook at the time was with CSU Pueblo's strength conditioning and what, seeing what you're doing now on, on both Facebook and Instagram. Was that something that you picked up on, you know, throughout your time up here? Or like, where did you get your social media presence? Cause I think it's awesome that you were able to post all of that and, allow you know other coaches access to what you're doing at your facility or in your with your uh collegiate programs yeah you know i think it's kind of um two two advantages one i mean we're all human so for my athletes you know they they got a kick out of being posted you know it's a it's rewarding to to see themselves you know one thing that was kind of funny one thing i would do sometimes if we were especially if we were testing but if, if we were going heavy, you know, I would tell, tell the athletes like, you know, make, make it or miss it. I'm still going to post this video. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. So it was kind of a uh, motivation for them, you know, um, you know, with my clients, now it's the same thing. They enjoy um, seeing their workouts posted. It's, it's kind of funny. So I usually do it pretty rapidly um, as soon as their workout is, is done. Uh, within half an hour or so it's it's been it's been posted you know and sometimes i'll forget about it or i forget to change my privacy setting it's and so it's not showing up and this so they'll text me and they'll be like coach where's my workout at so you know it's obviously important to them you know and then the other thing um especially at csu pueblo um i heard from so many high school coaches that they found that um is really helpful to them to see um, the things that we were doing and the technique that we were emphasizing. So it was, uh, it was beneficial that way too. You know, and I felt like it was good for CSU Pueblo because, um, you know, kind of building a, a reputation of, um, of having a solid strength and condition program and, and the high school coaches saw that. So it was advantageous that way as well. One other thing I would say is that, uh, so I, I try to be pretty, pretty strict um, technique, you know, and um, more so than I think a lot of strength and condition coaches are or 
people who are opening opening up the weight room for their for their kids, you know. So I felt like it was a way to really emphasize the technique is more important than the intensity, you know, which kind of see that flipped with a lot of high school programs. So to really try to emphasize, you know, great technique with what they're doing, not just how much, but how well, you know, the, the kids were lifting. I think that's a, a great tool that you used. I know I tuned in and I know a lot of other coaches were able to look at that and learn a lot from that. Now you've been a strength coach for multiple decades, you know, you know, 30 plus years. I'll ask you, I guess, two things, because it's pretty rare to have a, a strength conditioning coach just be a strength conditioning coach the entire time and then retire as a strength conditioning coach. So what do you, would you say is helped you build that longevity as a professional? And then also what would you say helped you build that longevity as you know, in your personal life, because it's a tough, tough career. And I know that you're married and you have kids and grandkids and all that, all the great stuff. So how did you go about that? Because a lot of the younger coaches are seeing that you're going to get burnt out on one end or the other, whether it's professionally or, you know, on the personal side of things. Yeah, you know, I mean, this may sound like a really simple answer, but in terms of the longevity of of my career as a strength and condition coach is something I enjoyed doing, you know? Um, so to me, it wasn't any special thing. I just got to go and I can call it work, but it wasn't really work, but I got to go to work and do what I love to do for close to 30 years. And so, you know, how special is that? You know, I can't imagine going to a job that was just meant to, to make money, you know, and to be honest with you, um, I could have found employment elsewhere that I would be more compensated better, you know, financially, but but not emotionally. So, you know, and the other thing, I know in a lot of a lot of university situations, especially, um, the workday can get extraordinarily long. But it wasn't really like that for me, both um, at the Air Force Academy, you know, and I'm um, at CSU Pueblo in that we had athletes in the morning and we had athletes you know mid-afternoon and so we always had a period of time during the middle of the day where where we could get away and so I didn't I wasn't locked into being to the weight room 12 hours a day you know so I might be there at six and stay till 10 or 11 and then have to be back at two and be done around six or six thirty typically so well, I was fortunate that um, I didn't wasn't in a situation that that required those extraordinarily long hours, you know. And um, you know, I kind of my, my job at CSU Pueblo um, again at the Division Two level, not necessarily very rewarding financially. But um, my whole family is in the area, um, my granddaughters in the area, and so it allowed me to to maintain. A, a daily relationship with them. Um, so there was there were some personal benefits of, of working at the location that I did in terms of my, my family life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it, that's always a good thing to have the family close and, and, you know, doing what you love and always trying to keep that in perspective. And I, I think 
and I hope a lot of coaches don't lose sight of both, you know, having the family close and realize, realizing you, you love what you do. And that's why we do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for me, I know I was thinking about this prior to, prior to speaking with you today, but if I think about the positive moments in my career, as opposed to the negative moments in my career, you know, the positive far, far, far outweigh, any negatives that occurred, you know, any job that you have, there's going to be some negative situations, but, you know, it was probably 95% positive and 5% negative for 30 years. So it can't be bad. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's great. And, you know, you've always found a way to give back and, and whether it was your books or, you know, the DVDs, you wrote a, a lot of articles. I know you spoke at national conferences. Is that something that came naturally to you or was that something that you had to work on throughout your career? So first in terms of publishing, so I was actually a journalism major prior to switching Okay, over. there you go. <laughs> so, and uh, now don't ask me to, ask me to do any math problems for you, but if you ask me to write you something, I can do that. You know, that's, that's easy for me. It's something I enjoy doing. You know, and a lot of times I, I really try to use it to my advantage. So if I wanted to find out or get better in a specific area, I'd write an article about it, you know, because you have to do your research. And and so it was um, um, advantageous for me as a strength fishing coach that way just because it helped educate myself. Okay. Um, you know, the other thing that happens, so it's like a couple of things. Uh, you know, I was on the board of directors for the NSCA for a while. And um, one of the reasons that I was elected to that position is that people were familiar with my name. You know, they just, they knew me, you know. And so like, yeah, I've heard of this guy. I'm going to vote for, vote for him, you know. Um, the other thing, so true story, I was in Las Vegas at a national conference once, and I was walking down the hallway, and this guy stopped me, and I had no idea who it was, and he's like, are you Alan Hedrick? And I said, yeah. And he's like, would you be interested in coming to Australia and speak? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, so it definitely opened up some doors that way, you know, for me, you know. And they, you know, they asked me, like, what, what, what compensation would you like for coming to speak? And I was like, pay for my wife to go you know yeah so just like yeah so just that's just an example but publishing definitely opened some doors for me that that wouldn't have been opened otherwise so i like doing it it was advantageous for me so it makes sense to do it you know yeah no absolutely i think that's great now we're definitely in that time of age where I guess everybody has a platform and, you know, anybody can start a website or, you know, strength coach, social media is I think a very good tool, but I've also seen it used as a kind of a weapon when other coaches are going at each other. But, you know, what would you say? I mean, you, you just said you were on, on, you did your research and you were looking into the new stuff. Where do you think the research is? Is it, new is better or is new not necessarily always better uh like where is the i guess the state of the industry in your opinion and the research and how everything's coming out you know i, I mean i just see a, a pretty big swing from 
from doing exercises that in my mind are productive to exercises that when I look at them being performed and the intensity in which you can perform that exercise is so low, you know, um, that I don't really see the benefit in, in some of the things that, that I see are being utilized and emphasized, you know. I mean, clean squat and bench. I mean, those are effective exercises. And so I'm going to emphasize those type of exercises in my program, you know. Now, do I reject any exercise that's new? Absolutely not, you know. Um, you know, even with my class I'm working with, I'm doing some things that I certainly didn't do five years ago. You know, you need to continue to grow as a strength and conditioning coach, you know. And, and so I mean, if I look at an exercise and I can see the value of it, not because it's new or different, but because I can see how it can be effective, then I'm going to implement that into what I'm doing with my with my clients now and my athletes part of my retirement. But I'm not interested in, in I'm more interested in being effective than being new. I'll say it that way. No, I think that that's some great advice, especially as coaches navigate their way through. I mean, the NACA has a podcast and Facebook, Instagram, everything. I think it's, and every other coach has it. I think it's a, a good piece of advice, you know, to see the value of it first versus just doing it for the sake of, that I mean, does it have any benefit or is you know productive? I think that's that's great. You know, one thing. No, one thing I always try to do as a, a strength condition coaches. So there's no such thing as a perfect program. You know, you write your program and you and you run it for a year. There's always new research coming out. Um, things that that you can apply to your program to make them better. So. You know, um, I was never a coach that was running the same program today that I was five years ago. So the longer you work as a strength condition coach, I think the fewer and fewer changes you're going to see in your program, right? Because you're making it better every year. Initially, it's pretty easy to make it better, you know. But as you go through year by year and you're constantly trying to refine it, um, the amount of change that you will make in a program is probably relatively small, but there's always things that you can do to make it better. You know, and I used my summertime for that when it was slower. You know, I'd go through each of my programs and, and review them and, and say, okay, let's let's start implementing these things based on based on what uh, my brand. Um, so you continue continue to make it better. The longer you do it, the spirit tweaks are, but there's no such thing as a perfect program. Definitely. And you had mentioned, you know, your summers off and I know at CSU Pueblo, you had, you had ran a phenomenal program and I mean, you even won a national championship there. And I also know you had some assistants. So were your assistants evolved with their summer? Like, you know, you said use the summer to revamp it and tweak a little, a few things here and there. Is that something that you try to instill in your assistant coaches or, was there a different process with the younger strength coach? Um, so, you know, from my own point of view, um, in terms of my programs that I, that I was working on, certainly I would run ideas by them in terms of, 
you know, what do you think about this? Does this make sense to you? I'm thinking about making this change. And so, and I I'd certainly try to instill in them as well that that they should be continually trying to make their own programs better. You know, like I said, there's no perfect program. So there's, there's ways to make it better. I, I always try to really emphasize, I was less concerned about what some other strength coach was doing and more concerned about what research was telling us. You know, it's a, just because someone else is doing doesn't necessarily mean it's effective just because they're doing it, even if they're having success. You know, I mean, let's use an obvious example, University of Alabama. You know, they have a great program, I'm sure. But one of the reasons that they're so successful, not necessarily their strength conditioning programs, but the athletes that they're able to recruit, you know, and so just because they're doing it doesn't necessarily make it the most effective way to go. So I really try to emphasize, you know, as a big believer in terms of reading the strength conditioning, the journal research and strength conditioning journal to, to try to continue to, to find ideas that that fit into my own programs that made sense to me, but things that I could implement to make it better. Definitely. And what was the culture you try to establish with both your staff when you were running collegiate programs and then also the athletes that you had when they came into your weight room? You know, uh, it's kind of a unique situation when, uh, when I started at CSU Pueblo because they, hadn't had a strength initiative goes there previously and they had just brought the football program back, you know, so I can remember talking to the football athletes and the first, so I got hired the second game of the second year after they brought football back after a 20 year absence, but I actually kind of volunteered there um, that first year when they didn't really have a strength initiative coach. And I can remember talking to the, the athletes and saying this basically this first year is the most important year that we are going to have because it's much easier to establish a tradition than change a tradition. You know, so we want to really establish a, a, a tradition of hard work, of, of being aggressive with your training, of doing a good job following your training programs. And so I think that really helped in terms of building from that initial year should you were able to come in and, and establish that tradition rather than trying to change sufficient tradition that was pre-existing, you know. Um, I try to lead, I'm, I'm kind of a quiet guy, naturally. And so, but I really try to lead um, my assistant coaches more by example than anything. I wanted them to see, um, you know, the, the dedication that I put towards my athletes and, and see the same thing from them. You know, is that something you would tell a coach that maybe just started a, a job or they're at a new location, you know, just to be yourself and, and you know, lead by example, or if you're the rah-rah kind of a guy or girl, or is, is that yeah, what you're telling them? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I'm, I'm not a person that's going to run around the world white room yelling and screaming and high-fiving people. And, you know, I took a more business-like approach. And so for me, that was a natural approach for me to take, you know. Other coaches are more outgoing and, and uh, you know, they're going to be the ones that as soon as they're in the weight room, everyone in the weight room is going to know that they're there, you know. And if that's their natural personality um, and it fits them, then I'm not saying that's not an effective approach. But what's, what needs to be effective is 
is conducting yourself in a way that's natural to you. And that'll come across to the athletes automatically, you know. You know, I took, like I said, I, I took a business-like approach, but, you know, one thing that I always try to emphasize is we try to have fun in the weight room, you know, so what's and all. You know, we worked aggressively, you know, and I, I mean, I use this expression all the time. When, when your hands are on the bar, meaning when you're about to do your set, you know, you're going to focus and dial in and be aggressive with what we're doing and, and make sure that you're emphasizing great technique and intensity. But between sets or, you know, let's have a little fun too at the same time. You know, so um, I'm pretty good at ribbing people. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we'll have fun and work hard at the same time. And I think that really um, was an effective approach for me. No, I, I think that's great. And it's the athletes know when you're not being you or you're not being natural. So I think it's a, a good piece of advice to just be you. So you don't lose any of that buy-in trying to be something that yeah, you're and not. I think it's going to become real obvious to the athletes. And so just being authentic, you know, as long as I, as long as they know that you're concerned about them and you want what's best for them, you know, I was my athletes that your performance is a reflection of me and I take pride in my performance so I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do the best I, job I can for you. So that's a positive reflection back on me. That's great advice. And, you know, you, you've established that throughout your years uh, working in strength and conditioning. Now, when, and I know towards the end at CSU Pueblo, you had some assistance on your staff. And I, I know at, at your other uh, places that you worked at, you also had some assistance on your staff. What did you look for when you were hiring somebody to, to join your staff or if uh, one of our listeners is listening in right now and they want to know what it's like to work on, what it would have been like to work on your staff, what were you looking for in that coach? You know, obviously you want to hire someone that, that you know you're going to get along with, you know. And so um, that's, that's certainly one thing that you want to consider. Um, when I was in a situation to do so. So I feel like I'm very good in the weight room, coaching technique, designing programs. Not as strong, you know, in terms of speed development in, in, in that area. So when I was in a situation where I could do so, I really tried to hire coaches that, that would complement my weaknesses. You know, so if I was strong in one area, they were strong in another area. That was the best possible combination to, to come across. So that's one thing I really tried to accomplish as well when I was in that, in that situation of hiring coaches. We'll be right back. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market. Developed by the team at GymAware, Flex is the only laser-based system available. And it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub $500 category. That's right, you heard it, sub $500 barbell velocity tracker. And that's easy to use. It's wireless and yes, it's portable. It's specifically designed for individual use with its own social platform and automatic training log. Flex captures all the critical performance and technique metrics that people demand from a VBT device. Velocity, power, bar path, range of motion, and even bar position. 
Live feedback is delivered through the Flex app on every lift and all the data is automatically stored for review. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from its competition at flexstronger.com slash vbtfuture. Again, that's flexstronger.com slash vbtfuture. I think that's great. Now, you have been lucky enough to, you know, win a national championship and also a lot of the teams you went, you uh, worked with, you know, went pretty far in playoffs or in tournaments. You know, what's the programming look like? Because I, I know we all, in theory, plan on make going far. But, you know, I remember we were playing a basketball game against CSU Pueblo, but it was right before – it was the home game right before you guys went to play Minnesota, uh, Minnesota State, Mankato. So all of Pueblo shut down. They canceled all the basketball games. Like nothing was going on, and it was pretty unique to see, you know, a, a team go all the way, you know, as far as your your team did. Did your programming change that late in the game? You know, not up until um, the championship game. You know, uh, we we followed the the program that had been laid out. And, um, you know, I, I, I gotta be honest, you know, we had an amazing collection of talent on that team, you know, so did I play a role? Yeah, obviously played a role, but, you know, we had for, for division two school, um, you know, uh, a couple athletes on that team who ended up going pro still, in fact, a couple of them are still playing. A couple of them had invites to, to NFL camps, you know, and even though, you know, they, they didn't survive the, the camp, you know, they were talented enough that that they were being invited. So we had an amazing collection of talent that year. You know, when I think back about how talented we were, it was, it was pretty impressive. So, you know, just uh, I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where we had a lot of talent to work with and um, um, we had the opportunity to be the, ultimately successful that's awesome and you know we have a lot of coaches that are listening in that might be this might be the first time you know i guess what would you say to a coach that they are just getting done with their first internship maybe going into a graduate assistantship or even going into another internship, you know, they're in the grind of what we do. They're not getting paid full time to work in the long hours. What's one piece of advice you'd give to those coaches that are just starting off their career? You know, I mean, um, I'll use this example. When I was at the Air Force Academy, you know, there's a number of strength coaches on staff now, but um, when I was first hired, it was me and one other person, you know, and then, wow, yeah. And then we had 20-some sports, which yeah, we had at San Pueblo as well. And um, um, they, the situation was was good in that way. Um, I think that, you know, the, the example that I was going to use, so at, at the Air Force Academy, uh, we just had two and then two, two coaches there and then, I had an individual show up um, who wanted to volunteer, you know. So I said, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, I can't turn down any help if you want. If you're willing to show up and volunteer, and 
and do that, do that. Um, absolutely, you know, and so he did a great job for us initially, and then um, an assistant job came available, and so it made sense to hire him, you know, and, and now he's been the head coach there for a number of, a number of years, you know, so yeah. he started off as a volunteer and worked all the way up to the head coach, and he's been the head coach there for quite a while now, so, you know, um, it's a matter of he showed up and did a good job, and, and his performance opened doors for him. You know, so initially you kind of have to bite the bullet. Um, but if you show up and do a good job, things good things can happen for you. You know, when I started at Fresno State, um, you know, so I, I went back to school. So by the time I was at Fresno State getting my master's degree, um, I'd been married and uh, we had two kids, you know. Um, and I was making, I think, $16,000 a year. Um, now that was back in in the 80s, so $16,000 went a little further than it does now, but still it wasn't very much money, but, you know, it was the process that you had to go through to get to where you want to be. And so initially it's a challenging situation, but, you know, if you stick to it and, and do a good job, then good things can happen for you. Absolutely. And I would definitely like to ask you, you know, you said you were the first at CSU Pueblo and I was the first at, at MSU Denver. I think it was just that time where the D2 were starting to mandate getting strength coaches. And I know it was the first year bringing the football program back, but they CSU Pueblo had other sports there during that time. What is it like? And, and I know you said previously it's easier to make the tradition versus change it. Well, how would you say, how, or what's some advice or how would you recommend coaches go about it that find themselves in a similar position that, you know, they are meeting coaches that may have been there for a while that had never had a strength coach before and, you know, kind of showing what, what we do and, you know, how'd you go about creating that culture with, uh, within a department that never had a strength coach? Yeah. You know, so, um, even after I worked at Hawaii and at the Air Force Academy too, you know, so some of the, some of the sports coaches are very hands-off. They're like, you know what, this is your area. Um, I trust what you're going to do and, and you have free reign with my team. You know, you can do, do as you see fit and I'm going to trust what you're doing. Other coaches want to be more heavily involved. So you just have to kind of get a feel of, of the individual sports coach and, and, see the approach that they want to take you know basically i feel like the strength coach is an assistant coach to everyone that they work with you know it's their program you're just one of the assistants trying to help them be successful so you kind of have to um mold yourself be be flexible enough to to mold into the approach that they want to take you know so Sometimes that's a difficult situation. Sometimes it's a situation that that can evolve over time. So as they gain more and more trust and respect in what you're doing, you know, they'll give you a little more groundwork. You know, when I when I was at Fresno State, so I was just just a graduate assistant there, and I happened to be working with the softball team. And I designed a, a training program for them, and then um, their coach had been very successful there. 
um, called me up one day and was like, you know what, I was just talking with this, um, I think he was a doctor, and he's, he's got this strength conditioning program for softball. So basically it was like one set of 12 on every exercise or some, something similar like that, that's more endurance based. So I was like, you know, when you look at the sport of softball, all the critical aspects of the game are done explosively, throwing, hitting, running, you know? So we're really trying to build powerful athletes, but, you know, um, she, she wanted to follow that program. So I was a situation where, you know, she'd been very successful. So we had to do it, which was a difficult situation. So, you know, we just have to try to educate and mold and realize that you're in the system and they have the final, final call on what it is that they're doing with their athletes. No, I think that that's great. And that's one thing I always try to tell my interns or even some of the younger coaches that are finding their way into a position, you know, you can't be shock and awe or you can't butt heads too much, you know, stand your ground as if it's going to be a hazard to the athlete. But if it's not like we're their assistance and the easiest thing they could do is uh, if we don't, you know, get along with them is just find another strength coach that, that will. Yeah. You know, um, when I was at, again, going back to first on plate and just popped into my head, but um met a volleyball coach, a women's volleyball coach come in and she didn't want her athletes doing squats to parallel because she thought it was bad for their knees. And so she wanted them to stay way above parallel, thinking that it was going to be safer for the athletes. But the problem was because they were staying so high, they could really load the bar. And so in my opinion, they were putting themselves in a more precarious situation because they were putting so much weight on the bar because of their limited range of motion, you know? So that was an example where, you know, you, you kind of have to try to educate them as much as possible. I mean, she was putting her athletes in a bad situation because of the technique or the, the range of motion that she was trying to emphasize on that specific exercise. So what she thought was a positive actually turned into a negative. No, I, I that comes with all the great experience. I mean, I'm sure you're a younger coach at Fresno, but looking back on, it, I think that's, it's good to see that you're able to differentiate how, how you go about handling the head coach. Cause I know you could probably do a whole lecture on the relationship between the strength coach and, and the head sport coach and how to get that communication. You know, I think that's, you know, some good advice, you know, where we are their assistants, but maintain that communication and, and try to let them know. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, going back, you know, when I think about all the relationship with the different coaches I worked with, you know, again, vast majority of that was all very positive, you know, we're, we're, they're, they're like us, they're getting to do a job that they love to do. And, and so, you know, for the most part, they're, they're pretty positive people as well. So it's a pretty good situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what's one piece of advice you'd give to that strength coach that I would say probably just landed their dream job. They're the head strength conditioning coach, or they just became the director. They find themselves for the first time in the, the captain's chair, calling the shots. What's one piece of advice you give to that coach? Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to our mind is like, you know, you got this job, but, 
that's not a point to be satisfied because you've got the job doesn't mean you're going to keep the job, you know? So, you know, you can't be satisfied. You know, you worked a long time to get to that situation. So at this point, um, you got to continue to do a great job uh, with the coaches and athletes that you're working with, you know, can't be satisfied. You know, um, we won like eight or nine conference championships in a row on this issue probably with our football program at one point. And I was talking with an athlete one day and he was looking at all the banners talking about it. And so I was like, you know, you know, what's the most important championship is. And so he was like, um, I'm not sure coach. And I said, the next one. Mm. Okay. Excellent. You know, those, those have already been accomplished and it was fun accomplishing it. But the next one's the one that we want to get that to want to focus on now. You know, you know, they, some boosters bought, purchased uh, all the coaching staff, some jackets that had the national championship emblem on it. And uh, it was a very nice gift. But I really was really reluctant to wear it because it was like celebrating something that we had already accomplished, you know? And I didn't want to focus on what we had accomplished. I wanted to focus on what we want to accomplish. You know, so I, I wore that pretty minimal, to be honest with you. It's hanging nicely in my closet still. <laughs> nice. No, that's phenomenal advice. Yeah, I'm a, that's definitely a, a quote that we're going to have to have around there with the staff is just, you know, the most important championships the next one, you know, don't be satisfied. Yeah. Keep working hard. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Alan Hedrick from 20 years ago, what would you tell him? You know, when, um, when I look back at the programs that I designed as a young straight condition cook, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that I was trying to do too much, trying to include too many things into my workout. So, I've really tried to get away from that. You know, I'm trying to try to make six six movements as a max in terms of a training program, you know, rather than 10 or 12 different things that the athlete's trying to do. You know, I wanna I wanna focus on great intensity for six or seven exercises and and call it a day rather than trying to do a bunch of different things. No, I think that's some great advice. Keep it simple. It's uh, it always it's always beneficial to have something nice and simple, so you know you can coach it and focus on the quality of the movement versus trying to throw in the kitchen sink and then have some things fall off. Yeah. So you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was simple. I mean, we tried to do a lot of different things with our training programs. You know, um, complex exercises and timed exercises and and I'm measuring the bar speed when they are training. So the actual program, I wouldn't call it simple, but I would call it short. And, you know, I'm not trying to do too much in one day. Yeah, I do remember the first time I saw one of your videos on Facebook. It was, I think you hollowed out some PVC and then you put some water in it and then you sealed it back up and you're having them moving around with uh, the the oscillation of the, of the, of the water for stability. Yeah, we never used PVC, but um, um, we did um, use um, kegs that we filled with water. And That's water what it was, yeah, kegs, yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, when I was working at the Air Force Academy, um, this individual came up to me um, 
and brought um, the type of log that you see during the strongman competition where it's just a log that you put weight on it. And I was like, you know, I don't really see any advantage of this, you know, just like lifting a bar, it's slightly different. But I said, you know, if you can figure out a way to put water in there, you know, then then you'll have yourself a sale. And so he came back to me um, with a prototype and, um, and I said, yeah, this makes sense to me. You know, when you think about certain types of athletes, uh, football athletes, hockey athletes, wrestling athletes, for example, the type of resistance that they encounter is an active resistance, not a static resistance. So, you know, when you get good at performing cleans and squats and bench, and you get pretty good at controlling the bar. So if you think about when you first learn how to perform a bench press and the bar is kind of shaking all over and it's a different movement pattern in each repetition, but pretty quickly that movement pattern becomes pretty um, grained in or ingrained in and um, you don't really get a lot of extraneous movement out of that, you know? And then you think about what happens athletically when you're trying to block or tap or wrestle someone, you know, it's constant, constant movement. So you're working against an active, uh, active resistance in the form of an opponent. And so try to replicate that with some of the water filled things that we did. You know, I, I always use it as a supplement. So for example, if we were doing squats, barbell, excuse me, dumbbell squats, then I would ask them to have one of those sets be with a water-filled implement. So it wasn't like we were only training with water. You know, we were still using traditional training methods, but supplementing that with that active resistance that the water provided, you know, trying to get the benefits of both. You know, lifting with water, you can't lift with the same intensity as you can with a static resistance because of the extraneous movement becomes more challenging. And so the intensity drops, but does it help in terms of becoming more specific to what happens athletically? You know, I felt like it did. And so we tried to use the traditional training methods in terms of making sure the intensity of training was there and then supplement that with the water field implements to more closely match what was happening athletically for them. Uh, absolutely. I think that it was great. It was, it was great to watch. I, as, as a younger strength coach, I was, it seemed like my mind was blowing watching it. And I think that's always a good thing to have, you know, what's next for coach Hedrick. I know, like I said, you're retired, but you still got some clients going on. So, you know, what's something in, in the next year that you're looking forward to. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've actually, um, my wife and I have um, applied for our visas to be able to move to Spain. Um, and so we're getting close to the process of um, submitting that pay- paperwork. Um, to the Spanish consulate in Los Angeles so we can get those visas approved. Um, so we've had a, a goal for a long time to move overseas um, out of the country. You know, to me, it's like you only live once. And so let's have some phenomenal experiences. You know, we've worked hard for a long, a long time, and now we have an opportunity to do those type of things. So um, putting the house up for sale and, and uh, going to make – hopefully make the big, the big move pretty quickly. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. We're actually hoping um, sometime in July or August that, we, that we're able to make Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Very soon. So you're going to be able to go out there and take all your equipment with you. Yeah. You know, um, um, so you have to move your, your belongings in a shipping container. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, one of the things we're going to be going first on the shipping containers on my on my uh, equipment, training equipment, because I want to be able to continue to do that, not only for my own stuff, my own training, 
but I would like to train some, continue to train clients there as well. You know, I've been, um, been fortunate because of social media, um, actually um, have made a, a Facebook friend with someone who's a trainer in Valencia. And so I kind of have that connection from them already. And then um, there's another individual who lives in town further south that um, um, been connected with. And he actually wrote an article and um, asked me to um, write a, preface uh, on that for him and uh, and so kind of developing a relationship that way so you know I'm trying to cultivate those relationships so that when I'm there the um, the opportunity to, to continue to train people is kind of already built in so hoping that will happen maybe not as busy as I am right now <laughs> uh, but um, yeah I want to continue to train clients you know uh, my wife right now is continuing to work she, she won't be retiring until we actually make make the move so once she's retired i'm going to want to have more free time but um continue want to be able to train some some uh individuals there once i get there for sure yeah for sure and, and i saw your post when you uh, did your book it was in pretty good spanish for the spanish edition so i think you'll you're already set and ready to go to spain well i can't take any credit for that i didn't do any translating uh yeah, it's actually kind of cool. So the book, my Dumbo book, has been translated into Spanish, Chinese, and Japanese. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. I'm like, if I can just get every person in China to pay $1 for my book, I'm going to be set. <laughs> yeah, that retirement's going to be really comfortable out there. <laughs> you know, and you had mentioned your social media. Do you have, uh, do you mind you know, giving your social media a little shout out here. And so, or anything, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out and see what you got going on. So it's just uh, uh, under my name on Facebook, Alan Hedrick, and then on Instagram, it's Coach Hedrick One. So um, those are the two, two platforms that I, that I publish on. So absolutely. I already spent too much time with it on it. So I don't, I don't want to do any more than that. I, yeah. I, I know I spent too much time on them already. No, definitely. But, you know, coach, I want to just thank you for you know joining me on the podcast. I know you already been on the, the original iron game chalk talk, but I wanted to reach out and, you know, give you a chance to, you know, let us know what it, what it looked like in, in, in retirement and look back on your, your progress thus far and mostly get a lot of your insight on, you know, you're one of the few coaches that, like I said, I've, I've talked to that's you've been nothing but a strength coach and it's, it's pretty rare, but it's well-deserved with you. You've done so much for our community, giving back with either your books or lectures or just about everything you do. So, you know, thank you for joining us on the podcast and, and we'll look forward to you, you know, going out to Spain and continuing the workout. Yeah. Um, Two things. One, first of all, is an honor for you to be asked. You know, for for you to have enough respect for me that you wanted to include me as a is um, rewarding to me. So I appreciate that. The other thing I would say, um, just caught in my mind, but um, you know, I've always disappointed when I hear from people that they've reached out to a, a strength conditioning coach and they haven't been able to get that coach to respond to them. You know, so I always felt an obligation. So someone emails me or calls me, whatever the situation is, I'm always going to respond to that person. I don't have to know them. They don't have to be some big shot strength coach for me to respond to it. You know, I've been fortunate enough to do this for a long time. And so um, if I can give back some way to, to the profession, 
that I'm going to do it. So I've always felt an obligation to respond to everyone um, as quickly as possible when that happens. So I think that's some advice to pass along to to, to coaches as well. You know, get back to get back to it. Uh, the profession, you know, um, I'm still on a couple of committees for the NSCA. I um, just got done reviewing an article for publication. So, you know, we're fortunate. I was fortunate enough to to do this for almost 30 years. So if I can get back somehow, I'm certainly going to do that. Absolutely. It's greatly appreciated. You've given us so much and, I, you know, we'll happily receive everything else you got going on in, in your retirement. And, you know, hopefully I know, I know a lot of our listeners will take a lot from this conversation and apply everything that you're giving them. So thank you, coach. Yeah, absolutely. Been my pleasure for sure. This episode is brought to you by play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession from flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces and everything in between play will collaborate with you to find what you need they work with everyone from professional teams to high schools and they've always made me feel important and a part of the play family refuse second best with play find them at play.us and let them know iron game chalk talk 2.0 sent you thanks everyone for listening Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.